Hey everybody and welcome to Eberron Renewed, an actual play D&D 5th edition podcast. Uh, today we're going to be doing our Eberron Reviewed episode where we look back over the last arc and talk kind of with Eric about what he was thinking as he was um, leading us through it. Philip is here again uh, for this one to talk to us about his new character, Drakir. And uh, we're recording this after the last episode of the arc has already dropped and Boy, people had opinions on this one, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't blame them because I'm still not sure what all happened. And I've listened to it a couple of times now. But let's just start at the beginning. We began with a dead compatriot. Yeah, Beric is dead. And we are, uh, Theradak and I have decided to give him an honorable burial, even though, like, I don't know why I decided that we needed to do that. Dex thought that was important um, other than honestly, just keeping the body intact in case Eric and Philip had decided to bring Beric back to life seemed important to have him near us. So I, it was kind of a contrivance on my part. Um, but yeah, so uh, I mean, the important thing that happens is, is, is when uh, uh, Philip's character starts to play along with us. So we get to a cave and then crazy things start happening. Honestly, Philip, I thought we were never going to catch you. <laughs> it's actually not the first thing Drakir does. Oh, what uh, am I? What am I? What am oh, I doing? yeah. You're not forgetting anything. Philip texted me something under the table that never came up uh, in session. I was text. I was texting Eric Drakir's actions until you guys were more aware of him. Okay. So the first thing Drakir actually does is go back along your back trail and kill that cleric you guys left behind. <laughs> is that why you brought him up several times? Yeah, I was really hoping you guys would figure out that it, would find out that that had done. I, I wanted that to sort of be the 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 thing that sort of gave an indication of Drakir's alignment. Sure, uh, but. Well. Well, I think his obviously words, we figured that out at any rate. Yeah, his words took care of that. Eventually. <laughs> um, okay, so Drakir, uh, tell us a little bit about about. I mean, obviously we've we've gotten to know him pretty well through the show, but I mean, I don't I don't nec- unless they're well versed in what spells go with what class and things like that. Right. The average listener might not know who he is, what he is, things like that. Uh, so, okay, so by the time I built Drakir, Eric had. Uh, convinced me to uh, allow Beric's resurrection uh, back quite quite quickly after Beric's death. Um, Eric and I went to dinner after Beric's <laughs> death and um, basically talked it out, and, and I, I agreed to, to have Beric come back. I think we were walking across the parking lot, and I turned to you and said, I think I have a plan. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then... In the meantime, of course, I needed something to play, and so it made sense since we'd introduced a an NPC who, as it turned out, was important uh, at the last minute. So mm-hmm. I decided to take over him. So building Drakir was kind of with the assumption of him being temporary. Um, we're obviously not rid of him yet at the point <laughs> that 
<laughs> that we stopped. So we'll have to kind of see where that goes. Sure. But so I decided to just build something that I thought would be fun and uh, something that I hadn't gotten to try out. So me and Eric made much of the Unearthed Arcana Monster Slayer subclass for the Ranger and how crazy it was. So I decided to build one of those. Um, I also convinced Eric to let me have the Shadow Blades, which was something that one of my former characters from a, another campaign uh, had used for a while. And I thought they were very, very thematic for the Umbridge and Drow. Uh, and so I convinced Eric to let me have those as a as an item, uh, and then built him uh, that way. He has some extra magic because Drow just gets some spells, so Drow can all cast darkness and uh, dancing lights. Uh, and I took a feat at fourth level with him that was Drow high magic that got him some extra spells. That's why he was able to do things like levitate. I was gonna uh, say I. Uh... Yeah. Because I'm I'm playing in another campaign. I'm playing a ranger that has gotten to third level, and or we started at third level. He hasn't gotten mm-hmm. anything, and yeah, I was like, I can't levitate things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the only actually, all of the ranger spells that I used were other than hunter's mark were spent on the hawk. I wanted a I wanted a familiar, but I didn't want to feet into it or anything like that. So I just used a combination of animal friendship, beast bond and beast sense mm-hmm. to do all of the things that a familiar can do with a random hawk. Um, and made up the name Stratos literally on the fly. Nice. So, Did not That's a good one. Yeah, it worked. So uh, yeah, he was a ranger, but feeted into the, some of the specialized drow stuff so that he had, some extra spells, uh, and most of the spells that he used in his attempted necro larceny. Uh, <laughs> I was going between that and grand grand theft corpse, grand theft cadaver. There we go. Yeah, I think you made the right choice. Necro larceny. <laughs> um, those were all drow spells, and so I, I liked that. And I liked the idea of having him have a good deal of shadowy magic just to to because the ranger doesn't get a lot of that you can flavor some of the ranger stuff to be shadowy but it's not innately but the drow stuff is sure. uh, and as far as as far as designing who he was i just i went back and read keith baker's article on the umbrogen from a previous dragon magazine back in 3.5 and decided to just build drakir as a very very prototypical umbrogen and so he was going to tend towards an evil alignment he was going to think of himself as a predator and everything else either as allies in a hunt or as prey Uh, and he was going to have a very very in very insularly tribal focus uh, where whatever was useful and beneficial to his tribe that stuff he's going to go for and allow anything that's useless to his tribe is unimportant to him and anything that's dangerous to his tribe he wants to kill Mm -hmm. and he definitely does not suffer fools we learned that pretty quickly (laughs) i mean (laughs) very quickly um yeah i mean he's a great character he's he's a lot of fun to play off of um i'll say this i was from the moment uh the moment Barrick died, I was telling Eric, do what it takes to convince Philip to bring Barrick back. He's important to 
to decks, but also, it, I mean, for me, it's really fun to have decks and Barrick play off each other because mm-hmm. they are so different in the way that they think, but have a begrudging respect and I think genuine affinity for each other that it's a lot of fun to play. Yeah. Um, um, if I could jump but, in here real quick, um, like Philip was talking about me trying to convince him to let Barrett come back. And it was one of those situations where things just kind of worked out. The Like if I hadn't rolled on that random table for Drakir to show up as Barrett is walking through the woods, I probably would have wanted Barrett to come back, but I wouldn't have been able to 15 minutes after the session tell Philip, I have a plan for this. Um, things just kind of worked out in such a way to where like, <clears throat> I don't want people to think that if another character dies, I'm going to beg for their resurrection. Like things worked out to where it could have been an interesting story for Barrick to come back as I hope it was. And based on the reaction, it seems like it was, but yeah, it was weird how well things worked out as soon as I gave it a second to think, how can we bring Barrick back? How many elements were already there and ready to go? So, yeah, just just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, there was definitely some some kismet. I mean, with with how terrible the random tables went up to that point, having something that would lead into this show up mm. there at the end was nice. Because, boy, those random tables sure did think <laughs> us right, right in the doink there for a while. <laughs> So yeah, so your I mean Drakir's plan was just to to get the sword when he realized the the body needed to come with it. He was like, fine, whatever. Basically. Yeah. Okay. And man, I really I thought he's gonna get away with Barrick and I don't know what we're gonna do because <laughs> I'm asleep and Theradak keeps missing perception checks and this body's gonna float away. <laughs> yeah, I was honestly a little concerned about how successful I was being. Well, and because for, I intended this to be just an amusing way to introduce the character. For people that don't listen to the knowledge check, Philip, share what you talked about on our evil character episode about the legitimate actions that Drakir could have taken in trying to get Barrick's body. Yeah, I mean, if I played him uh, as evil as I could have played him, the really logical thing would have just been to cut Dex's throat while he was asleep. Um. That and is then, certainly true. Like, cut, de- <laughs> kill, kill Dex and Sam while they're asleep, uh, and then probably sneak up behind Theradak and kill. I I feel like I could have taken Theradak, um, with with the element of surprise. Now go listen to the knowledge check to find out why that would have been a horrible thing to do. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, that wouldn't have served the story in any way. So I decided to to just do the absurd thing and try to steal this body <laughs> out from under you. <laughs> Um, no, it was good. And it led to, I mean, it was a good first encounter when it finally came to an encounter between yeah. the party and Drakir. Like it showed that Drakir had restraint a bit. I mean, cause yeah, he could, when, when Dex runs up and the, the shadow blade is at his throat, that could have mm-hmm. been, well, I've had enough of this shrink. So that was good. Um, and did you play Drakir knowing the whole time? that Eric was his brother. Yes. Okay. I wasn't yeah. sure. Yeah. Eric told me I suspected as soon as he showed up. Uh, but Eric told me straight away that, um, that this was, uh, this was Rick, this was Eric's half brother. <clears throat> right. I guess I don't mean Philip. I mean, Drakir. 
Like, did Drakir oh. know? Sorry. Yes. Because, yeah, I, as soon as he said there was a drow in the jungle, the last arc, I was like, that's going to end up being the half-brother, isn't it? Yeah. And then, but so Drakir knew who Beric was. Yes. Oh, because of the sword, I guess. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm trying to think. We talk, we convince you to let us rest and go with you to try to separate the sword from the body. Um, and then do we go right into the, the mind flare? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we, we walk a while across mm. a glacier. Yeah. Yeah. Boring the mind flare, boring stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then the mind. Okay. Eric, how many of the aberrations that you put in front of us in this arc were supposed to kill us? None Between of them the, were supposed there was to the mind- kill you. There was the mind flare and then the beholder. Um, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm still trying to, you all as a party are really hard to figure out what is dangerous without being deadly. Um, because like, obviously the werebore fight went poorly. Um, not from a story perspective, but from a mechanical standpoint, things could have gone better, but yeah, I threw the mind flare at you guys as kind of a, a test because mind flares aren't super high CR, but the things they can do can be devastating. And when you all just wipe the floor with that, that kind of flipped a switch in my brain of going, okay, I can throw the beholder at them and it will at least be a difficult encounter. You all proved that that's not true. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, it sounds from an outsider when like, I say that the Beholder is CR 13 and you all are a party of three level five characters. It sounds like I'm trying to kill you. I'm not. I promise. I'm just trying to make you all sweat a little bit in combat. Um, so, yeah, all of them had the potential to kill you easily. Um, I mean, going back to the Beholder fight, what I should have done is had the Beholder almost exclusively target Dex with his eye rays because Dex had gotten that level of exhaustion. So had disadvantage on all ability checks and saving throws. So that would have made it more dangerous instead of disintegrating the bridge, trying to disintegrate one of you all. Um, I mean, there, there were things I could have done to make it a lot worse, but, and we'll get into this later on when we talk about the beholder fight, but just, yeah, I'm trying to get things to be dangerous without just throwing a CR 21 ancient dragon at you all and just laughing. Um, and then being really sad when you all wipe the floor with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, and we'll get to it again. Yeah. But with the beholder, it was just the dice went our way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So we, we find this mind flare and this is another thing where, I mean, granted, Jeff doesn't know a lot of, especially aberrations. Like I read up on a lot of Eberron, but I guess surface level, like <laughs> yeah. I, I I had no idea what a mind flare was. I had no idea what a what was the other one we met a long time ago? Gibbering Mouther didn't know what that yep. was. So hearing Philip across the table just going, "Oh no," or across the interwebs going, "Oh no, oh no!" I was like, "Oh, what? What's gonna happen?" <laughs> which which I guess works because Dex doesn't know these things either. Like Dex yeah. had no idea that this was a face hugger that could get inside of his brain and whatever. <laughs> so, but, but it was a cool fight. It was a good fight. Yeah. To listen to. 
No, I mean, I, I think that fight was from a flavor standpoint, fun and interesting having the, the thralls with the metal claws and, uh, Dex's brief journey to the astral plane as the mind flare tried to get away. Um, so yeah, I thought that was a really fun fight that you all had a very easy time navigating, uh, or actually rather Dex had an easy time navigating because yeah. Drakir and Theradak got taken out like second round or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Well, if I hadn't had that attack of opportunity when he tried to get away and I happened to crit on it, he would have mm-hmm. been a whole different story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that okay? Is that going to come back? The fact that Dex went um, on a on a planer cruise for a second there, or is that just a, a thing? You're not going to tell me, so I don't know why I asked. I mean, it, it, <laughs> okay. Uh, I will give you enough to say that I would like it to, but I don't know how as of right now. So I, it's not some it's not part of the grand plan. So. Yeah, I mean, if you would like to, you know, make it to where a, a a brief trip to the astral plane gave Dex some sort of amazing power, maybe flight would be neat. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're powerful enough already, Werebear. Yeah. Well, um, and then Philip, you have Drakir do some just some gross things to dead bodies, uh, and that was that's part Why of that tribalism. Well, the mind flayer too. Oh well, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, uh, and I didn't honestly remember this. Um, about mind flayers feeding on the brains of dead mind flayers, uh, or feeding them to their elder brain. But Drakir knows. Drakir understands. I don't even know if Drakir knows that, but Drakir understands enough about how the mind flayer is to know that he wants the brain dead. Yeah, uh, he doesn't want the brain recoverable, and he just hates mind flayers. Mind flayers. I, I think you know. There's there's more dangerous aberrations. I just don't think there's any more any aberration that that seems more overtly evil than the mind flayer and more frightening just due to the the ability to enthrall things. Sure. And so cutting its head off, hanging it up as a trophy, that was uh, just a uh, a statement as much as anything else. But fixing, you know, cutting the the extra claws out of the drow and um, dragging him off to the side. I, I was trying to think about how how a really, really utilitarianist tribe would deal with the dead. Um, and so I just kind of went with a sort of half measure of leaving it because there's no no reasonable reason that no reasonable time for us to sit here and dig dig graves. Yeah, uh, but not leaving it in the form that the mind flayer made it. Right. And, and also just dealing with the, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, I mean, modification is what he did to the drow, but there's a word yeah. for it. The, I'm a perversion of a drow's body kind of mm-hmm. taking care of that just by ripping them out of it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, or it did it. You, like you said, utilitarian. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we take it out and we continue on our journey and we end that episode by, I mean, we go through the, the storm rings and my poor rolling got me hurt a little bit, but not too bad. <laughs> uh, and we see a giant dragon shard, right? As we go down mm-hmm. into the, where the Umbrogen live. Mm-hmm. We didn't go that far down, right? Like Not too terribly far. Near down. the surface. Yeah. You're not even properly in 
what's known as Kyber in that city. You're still in Eberron, so. And we meet Eldrin. Yes, the lovable Eldrin that everybody thought was very kind and nice. <laughs> um, and do we, at the end of the episode is when we when when we figure out or Dex, and I assume Theradak figured out this is Barrick's brother, this is Barrick's father. Yeah. Um, I think I say figured out. I think it may have been pretty explicitly said out loud by Eldrin, <laughs> my my son. Yeah. But sometimes that's what it takes for me to figure things out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that's where we pick up with the next episode. And I'm going to let you two talk about the Drakir Eldrin dynamic. Uh, I, I, I want to say something here. <laughs> I have just the best parents. <laughs> like they're both alive. They're going on 40 years of marriage. They're outstanding and supportive, and I have a wonderful relationship with both of them. None of this is me me projecting anything about my real life uh, in the because I I just realized this arc was really heavy in me role playing Eric with Eric playing one of my parents. Yeah, um, and lots of issues. So <laughs> anyway, yeah. um. Well, and Philip and I, I, I kind of talked to Philip about um, the nature of the relationship being contentious and that the the family that Eldrin had in the Umbridgen culture was more out of duty, whereas Beric was a creation of love and during... Eligen's time outside of that culture and outside of those expectations. And I, I really wanted that to come across in their relationship that he, Eldrin loves Drakir, but it offers no evidence of that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, and it's like, I, I don't go. You talk for a bit, Philip. I kind of imagined that, Eladrin's disappearance onto the surface, his uh, affair with a an outsider, and uh, all of this—just his disappearance from his tribe for so long—was uh, in some manner a mark of shame on him, and that that was probably something that Drakir has been dealing with for his entire life. Uh, I think also it was pretty obvious uh considering i I mean i I tried to imagine what it would be like because you talked to me about him having this likeness of yurik uh on his work desk i tried to imagine what that would do to a kid uh growing up with dad has this picture of this other woman on his on his workspace um and so it just struck me that it was probably kind of a somewhat messed up childhood yeah. uh, as far as his relationship to his dad. And so uh, Drakir was going to be, at some point, Drakir made the decision to be just as umbrogen as anyone could possibly <laughs> be uh, and prove himself to be better than his father, who's a dick. 
Easy. <laughs> now I have to use the bleep button on you, Philip. Come on, you're better than that. Um, no, I because Philip and I talked about like drow aging process and things like that because I I had always envisioned it as being Eldrin didn't go off and he had this family back in uh, the Umbridgen culture and he was hooking up with a woman on the side and started a family elsewhere. It was that Drakir is actually younger than Beric um, by maybe a year or two. Um, but that the, the family that he started was post the Yurik stuff. Um, and it's just a situation where Eldrin, once he got word of Yurik's death, it it devastated him. And that's when he really became wholly engrossed in the work that he was doing when you all came upon him and um, found this goblin that was well-versed in the planes and that could assist him. So brought this goblin in to help. And that's where the, the distance came from. And I think the way that Eldrin tried to show his love for Jakir in a very bad way was by by Drakir perceiving it as holding him back, requesting that he be working directly for Eladrin, not fighting uh, aberrations, going on these missions to just collect supplies for this spell that further feeds into the fact that Drakir's not only having to see a picture of the woman that his father clearly loves more than his mother, but also working on a spell engineered towards that life, not the Umbridge in life, but his life outside of that culture. <clears throat> and so I think, I mean, I wanted to play Eladrin as, as pretty tragic, like this, this guy that just doesn't know how to process anything going on around him is a stranger in his homeland his children or his child hates him. His wife probably hates him. Um, and he is wholly devoted to his work because it represents something in his past that actually brought him a certain level of joy. So. So how much of Drakir, <clears throat> Drakir's motivation with a lot of this was actually jealousy toward Beric? Or was it just it was was it really pure, just neutral, get the job done, we need the sword stuff? I think I don't think it's specific. I mean, there's probably something of that. I think you would have to have something of that subconsciously. Um, I don't think it's consciously I'm gonna I'm gonna prove to dad that I'm the better son. Uh, because while I think I mean think that on some primal level all sons want their father's approvals i think that's inescapable sure. um and so certainly drakir uh, would experience that um, just like anyone else but i think it's much more here is this this weapon i've been hearing about this great weapon this was the thing that my father that, that pulled my father away this is the thing that i that was supposedly the thing he went to find but he didn't come back with it. That's so one of the only reasons that Umbrogen come to the surface uh, is to look for weapons to aid them in their battle, uh, to save their people from the, from the Delkir. Uh-huh. And 
So this is the weapon that Eladrin found and abandoned on the surface. And so finding the sword and taking the sword to fight the aberrations with and save his people with is kind of a, a, a way to undo the, the, the shame of his father. Cool. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's good stuff. Um, <clears throat> so, so we start that second episode with, um, I mean, essentially we tell Jen what happened to Barrick and then it rolls right into him saying, I think there's something we can do about this basically. Right. I mean, there is definitely yeah. some, yeah, there's some trickier Eladrin back and forth. Your son was weak and Dex just starts to see the whole time. <laughs> um, but so we're told, get a dragon shard, go, go deeper, get a dragon shard and bring it back. And there's something I think I can do to bring Barrick back. Yeah. And that's where we meet the beholder. Yes. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> that was another situation where you said something about one big eye and Philip goes, Oh no. And I was like, God, what now? <laughs> I mean, it's the thing on the cover of the monster man. Yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's, it's the, for those, for those of you that aren't gigantic nerds and don't know your meta D and D history, the beholder is like the one creature that is, holy dungeons and dragons like everything else is pulled from fantasy sci-fi horror just various different um it's they're inspired by different things whereas the beholder was just out of the brain of gary gygax and so this is like the definitive D monster maybe the owl bear maybe <laughs> um I'll have you all fight one of those next time a where owl bear um <laughs> jesus no i just i i I realized when I was looking through aberrations because I knew that I was going to push you all to go deeper into Kyber. I, I realized when I came across a beholder that I don't, I had never run a session with a beholder as the enemy and I've never fought a beholder. Um, so I, that's something I wanted to check off my bucket list. So, uh, I did it. Um, and it was not as satisfying as I hoped it would be. <laughs> I mean, it really was a matter of the dice going our way because I oh, think yeah. we mentioned in an episode, only one of us actually took a hit yeah. from the holder and it was me and it was for half of my hit points. Yeah. He hit you real good. Yeah. Or nearly half. I think I have 49 and I, he took me for 24 points. Like, yeah, it was a, it was a rough night for Dex. Yeah. So it really was. I mean, we just got lucky and lucky and lucky. Um, but we did end up killing. And of course, because it was a, a, a monster played by Eric, he was very smug. Uh, <laughs> talking about how we d- didn't have the right to touch him. It's like, well, dude, if you don't think so, you shouldn't have attacked us. Um, or that, in my defense, that's beholders. They they are that way. Um, I'm sure they are. Well, and I wanted to talk about the fight. I, I alluded to it earlier. And, the spoilers for the next episode that we're going to be talking about. If you really listen to these in thirds and then listen to the episode, please post on the Facebook group and explain <laughs> your reasons. Um, but the fight didn't go. It wasn't as difficult as it potentially could have been because I was intentionally targeting Theradak um, throughout a lot of that fight. 
because Randy had messaged me literally earlier in the day before we recorded these episodes to let me know that he was kind of done with Theradac and he wanted to try something new. And I, I told him, I have an idea. I have a plan. Um, I just, anytime I give you the opportunity to use your Sybaris mark, I need you to do it and to kind of, cause it hadn't been utilized in a while. And the big moments that he did utilize it were in the lost episode. So I wanted to establish in Canon, the mark working as it did to set up the later payoff. So that's why the beholder targeted Theradac quite a few times. And it triggered his mark was to set up that moment later on. So sure. Uh, a little, a little bit of me altering the fight to service the story. You also allowed us to cut off eye stocks. Um, yeah, which I, I think also made a difference. I, I actually thought of that um, as you were doing that. It, it occurred to me, you know, that would be a really easy way to level down a powerful monster is to allow for that kind of allow, allow for the characters to have a way of disabling some of its more devastating things. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that was what you were thinking when you did that, but it's just that was what it jumped into my head when, when you allowed Theradac to cut off the disintegration eye stalk. It was Randy um, Randy in the moment saying, I want to try to cut off one of the eye stalks, and in my head going, okay, uh, we'll just say if they hit it, they can hit the eye stalk, and we'll give them HP of X, and so if they do that much damage, they cut it off. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably thinking back on it should have had him like roll with disadvantage since he was targeting a smaller portion of the yeah. creature. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean that, that was a, a good tactic and I agree with you. That's a good way to, to weaken a monster. It honestly ended up not coming up like that. I stock was never rolled again. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was one of the more devastating I stocks, the disintegration ray. So, um, yeah, but I, I enjoyed the Beholder fight. I think it was a, a good fight to both set up the Theradax stuff. And also we got some good the, some good stuff with Dex and Drakir in that fight also, I think. I'm, I, I'm listening to it. I have to say I'm disappointed in myself as far as the way that I described Drakir in that fight. Because I, I don't know what was... I mean, obviously, I got people who live in my house. So I think I must've been distracted or something. Cause I was not at all describing Drakir's actions. <laughs> it was just, it was just roll and hit. And I really feel like I really missed the opportunity to describe the very acrobatic way that I imagined Drakir fighting. Um, because of this, the situation you gave us was one that would have served that well. Uh, but so I, I don't think I, I don't think it was a good moment for Drakir, but, uh, I'll appreciate the pity comment anyway. <laughs> And I, I feel the same way. I was given an opportunity to have a, a cool one-liner, and I just beefed it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we fight the Beholder, we beat the Beholder. But then this fucking thing shows up, and this is the thing that I need to hear about. <laughs> I don't know. Is this, Philip, are you familiar with what this bony, multiple-eyed, flesh-creating monster is? Only because I know Eric, I think. <laughs> um it's not. A, it's it's an Eberron thing called okay. a Delkir. They're creatures from Plane of Zorat, which is the realm of madness. And there's a handful of them around Eberron. Uh, 
but they're mostly sealed away in Kyber or else in Zorat. Uh, and I don't think I would have known immediately what it was, except that I know Eric loves them. <laughs> they're Eberron's favorite. Eber- they're Eric's favorite Eberron villain. Yeah, I enjoy okay. them quite a bit. Um. Well, and actually, uh, just. Fun fact about the reason that I had this particular one show up is he's the one that that created the beholders. And so um, it was a a nice tie in thing, having all the eyes after you all just fought this thing. And my my favorite thing about Delk here is because Keith Baker at one point talked about them being extremely meta when it comes to being monsters like he because they are from the realm of madness and they break the universe a little bit by being on Eberron. So having them break the fourth wall by knowing like the abilities that your characters have and the name of them and stuff like knowing the mechanics of the game that they are in. And I didn't want to go that far with it. Um, but like the comment of, I feel like this is an arc in a much bigger story and um, I'm much far too much of a challenge for you all. Just things like that. They're, they're a lot of fun to play with. Um, if I, yeah. Could- and I, Okay. I took him at his word on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I got my first bleep on the podcast when Philip asked me what vulnerabilities and resistances and was like, well, I don't know. I didn't pull up a monster card. You are not going to fight it. So, <laughs> I, I, I mean, Drakir was not going to fight that given the option. I mean, yeah, Drakir is, is a pragmatist, not a not a hero. Uh, but he would definitely have done that so that he could begin thinking, okay, how do I hurt this thing as badly as I can before it kills me? Yeah. Um, and, and that's, I mean, the, the Delk here are, I wanted to play up kind of almost a sympathetic angle angle for them in that they, they invaded Eberron. <clears throat> they, they were the ones that fought the hobgoblins and then the orcs came in and saved the day and sealed off their plane from Eberron <clears throat> to stop the invasion, but inversely stop their ability to go home. <clears throat> and so I wanted to play up kind of that idea of the aberrations are literally stuck here, whether or not they want to be, they, they are not an invading force. They're uh very angry, aggressive refugees kind of thing. Like they're, they're stuck here. And so, sure. Um, it's, it's an interesting thing that I wanted to, to play up cause I figured one of you would ask, well, are you going to let us go? So I had that little speech of his in my back pocket and I, I used him. I mean, anybody listening to the conversation between him, obviously he was hinting at some bigger stuff going on in the story and I wanted to start establishing some of that fiction. So if you want to go back and re-listen to the Dale Keir conversation, there's some Easter eggs in there about what's to come. Well, and he did the whole, yeah, you changeling, we'll see you again. And I'm like, come on, guys. Why do all the big bad guys well, have a that's hard because, on for decks? That's because I knew that Theradek was going to die at the end of the session and that Philip was playing a temporary character. Like, <laughs> Well, you got me there. When you put it like that. <clears throat> but the Lich has been evil eye and decks. Well, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Day one. Yep. Or day four. It's almost as if there's <laughs> um, a reason. Um. I, I know. <laughs> I like to think that it means I'm not going to have to kill off my character. Before the big... <laughs> um, yeah, I liked when uh, you know he made this creepy flesh bridge, which is gross, and yeah, 
And then I, I say, I crossed the bridge. Like, after him? I'm like, no, because it's the way out. Give me a break. I'm not going to back this thing either. Well, it was just like, as soon as I described him turning around and starting to walk away, you were like, I crossed the bridge. And I was like, whoa, whoa, you're going like, it. just the speed with which you said it is what I was concerned about. So I wanted out. It was a bad place to be. It was bad with bad people. Who I, I love the fact that Drakir levitated over the river of lava instead of walking. I spent a second level spell slot to do that. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, maybe if the uh, Dex gets to fly, he would have done something similar. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm assuming we go back. We give the dragon shard. I'm assuming. And this is the episode that just came out, and I've only had an opportunity to listen to it once. Um, from this point on. So if I make mistakes or if I leave things out, you guys just tell me I'm an idiot or jump in and, and fix things. Um, don't tell me I'm an idiot. I'm, I'm, I'm fragile. Too late. Ah, man. Got permission. I, I would uh, never idiot. do that to you, Jeff. You're never critical <laughs> of what I do on this podcast. So yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll spare your feelings. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so I'm assuming you knew from the beginning that Eldrin was going to sacrifice himself to bring Barrack back. Like that was just part of the the plan of bringing Barrack back the whole time. Yeah, and I I had just mentioned in passing to Philip once we had established who Drakir was, really leaving it up to the session and to Philip. Like th- there was the potential there that somebody could have stepped in and taken Eldrin's place if it came across that Eldrin's function to the drow was greater than what it ended up being projected as. Um, Mm. And obviously the relationship between him and Drakir went really sour pretty much in the first conversation. So after that conversation, I knew like, okay, Eldrin's definitely dead. The relationship, like, honestly, I I went into that not entirely sure how you were going to play Eldrin. And it was the moment where you said, you're late boy i was like okay that's how this is gonna be <laughs> done um so yeah i i thought it was narratively satisfying to have a big part of barrack's arc being the questions about his father and the sword and finding his father so he could get these answers and his father being all, all of those answers that Beric was seeking had to die to bring Beric back to life. Um, I thought that was a an interesting narrative thing. So I, I genuinely considered making the switch. I mean, in the moment, I couldn't actually like leading up to that. At the moment, I couldn't think of any way that it would have made any narrative sense for Drakir to suddenly decide he wanted to be in on this. I would have been shocked uh, if you if but, you had. Honestly, by the end of the first night of us playing this, I liked Drakir way too much. <laughs> and I w- didn't want him to be dead at the end of this session. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I had kind of come up with the life for a life thing and wanted to establish that kind of fiction because I am a big proponent of resurrection needing to cost something um, and having it cost a life. And the, the reasoning behind Eladrin pouring so much experimentation into this ritual being trying to find a way around that cost, trying to circumvent it, but the situation requiring him to not reach that final step. Like, well, this needs to be done. So I'm going to pay that price because he would never ask anybody else to. So 
Yeah, Except and, for and maybe Booyah. <clears throat> also, on when you were talking about the death of a character, um, on the Knowledge Check, which I guess is some other podcast you guys do, I uh, I wouldn't know personally. Yeah. I try not to listen to you. <laughs> um, but yeah, you mentioned that. Like, if you're going to bring a character back, there better be a price somewhere. Yeah. So, it turns out the price was a character none of us were particularly invested in. Okay. You know, it, I like I said, from a narrative standpoint, the, it was an important thing. I, I like to think it might not have come across that way. Well, but. no, no, no. I think that it will in it, it will matter going forward to both Barrick and Drakir and that that that's what it took. I'm sure. Yeah, I guess that would be up to Philip, really. But <laughs> and then that lit shows back up. Yep. Wait, am, I, am I missing? This? Oh, we meet Booyah. He's a well. You met Booyah when you first got there, but yeah, yeah. But I, I conveniently, I'd forgotten. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's no secret uh, that Randy plays Booyah now, and we have completed the next arc of the of the of the campaign. Booyah is actually a whole lot of fun. Like in this episode, in this arc, we were talking about this dumb little goblin with a stupid name. He's a fun little character, and it's going to be a lot of fun to play alongside of him. So yeah, I'm excited for that. At- I was as soon as as soon as the lich picks up Theradek and you start describing things in a way that makes me think, oh, we're in a cutscene now. Um, that's when the coin dropped with me, and I was like, Booyah is Randy's character. <laughs> Eric would never give a give give a goblin that name. That's a Randy Lauderdale name. That's Randy's character. <laughs> yeah, I thought the name might give it away, at least to Philip. Um, but yeah, I. It, it had been a while since we had seen the Lich, you know. Yeah. Um, and obviously he has an important role to play. And it's just been, <clears throat> this isn't a spoiler or a reveal for you all or the listeners. Just go back and listen to the episodes and you'll see that anytime you all have been around instances of like really intense magic on a fairly large scale, he's shown up. And so I felt like the resurrection spell would be another opportunity for that to occur. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that totally tracks. Um, and obviously, <clears throat> Randy wanting an out for Theradak, I figured why not have the Lich be the one to do that to continue to build his cachet. Um, but I wanted, yeah. I wanted Randy to have a... I wanted Theradak to have a good out and the nature of his mark just made it too perfect. Like this plane of utter darkness opens up and Randy can reflect the opposing type of magic. So it just worked out perfectly. Yeah, it was a really, it was a really good moment. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I would love it if Randy could have been on here or maybe you guys can do a thing where he just kind of explains why he felt like he'd done all he could do with their deck and was ready to move on. Um, I don't want to say I'm glad he did. Their deck was a fun character too, but, but Booyah definitely, I'll say this from a, from a, a different standpoint than we typically talk about. I know that I am bad about dominating the airtime that we have. I talk as decks a lot and a lot of times Barrick and decks have conversations and then we turn and go their deck. Booyah didn't let that happen. Booyah jumped <laughs> in. And so I think this is a character that Randy, that gives Randy the license to jump in more often. And, and he's very funny and a very good player. So it's going to work out a lot, not a lot better. It's going to work out very well 
going yeah. forward to have this this guy. So it's exciting. Um, well, do you want to briefly switch over to the Ebron Reduced that just dropped, and Jeff can get some yes. insight into that? Yeah, why don't you guys talk about that? I'm just going to listen. I haven't heard it yet either. Um, can't promise I'll listen to it ever. So <laughs> I guess you guys can talk about that. So as you all know, the Eberron Reduced was covering Barrick's time in the afterlife, um, picking up literally with the the moment that he wakes up in the afterlife. Um, so I, I guess, Philip, did you what expectations did you have? Because you knew that's what we were recording. Obviously, you would know that going into it. But like, I knew that's what we were recording, but I knew you had very clearly stated that you knew what you were doing. You know what you wanted to do. And that it wasn't going to be the sort of thing. It wasn't going to be the sort of thing where we sat and talked it out because we've. So some of the past ever unproduced episodes have been not, in my opinion, great radio. They've been useful narratively, but they haven't been great radio. And after I think the second one, Eric and I had a conversation that went something like, you know, it would be smart if you and I just sort of talked through this conversation that we're about to have between Barrick and Cursebringer. Uh, and that way, the listeners don't have to listen to me sitting there thinking about how I'm going to, what the next question I'm going to ask, or you sitting there thinking about how Cursebringer would respond. Yeah. And then as we got ready for this one, you very clearly stated we weren't going to do that, and <laughs> we were just going to go. So I didn't really know. I, I didn't really know what you were going to do. I didn't exactly know where I was going to be. I know that Dolar is the plane of the dead, and that theoretically, Beric should be there but I wasn't entirely sure. Um, we talked through a number of things about how to bring about Barrick's resurrection um, in an interesting way and what Barrick's experience. And we talked through a couple of ideas and rejected them. And then you came up with this, I guess, just between those conversations and told me later, I know what you're going to, I know what I'm going to do. Just go with it. <laughs> uh, and I trust you. So <clears throat> I did. So I had pretty un clear expectations I, I don't i really didn't expect what you did well um, good so you you surprised me with bringing in the raven queen that kind of thing i yeah well, I, I did not expect you to do what you did i think something to acknowledge the reason that philip and i had so many conversations is twofold because a followers of the silver flame their souls are said to join with the flame after they die and so their soul is no longer this individual entity is part of a, a larger whole. And then also resurrection magic only works with a willing soul. And so if a soul does not want to be brat, if a soul does not want to be brought back, it will not be brought back. So it was, how do we keep Barrick from joining with the silver flame? And how do we make it to where he wants to return? And so obviously is willing to return. Yes. Yeah. Um, you were Beric was given a choice to be fair. I know. Um, but anyway, you wake up and you find that Cursebringer has detached himself from you. He is his own entity. Yeah. Um, sort of standing next to me. That and, was weird. <laughs> Although I appreciated a voice change <laughs> and no longer raspy. <laughs> yeah. No longer raspy. Um, um, and, it was probably the most uncertain moment. It was one of the most uncertain moments for me because you just sort of left me. We're just standing there in a forest and go somewhere. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> the best. Thing- it was fun to get to play Barrick the way I got to play him. Um, in Dolor because I got to play Barrick as just really cheeky. Yeah. Uh, as just essentially, I mean, I'm, I'm dead. So what can the further consequences of my attitude be at this point? Yeah. Uh, so I'm no longer taking it from Cursebringer. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cursebringer's best idea for getting back to the world of the living was to go back to Stormreach and find a haunted house that right. they could maybe <laughs> cross over through. Eric um, was exceedingly scornful of this idea, <laughs> but didn't have anything better. So he just kept making fun of the idea while we walked towards Stormreach. <clears throat> uh, um, but then the creepy demon showed up and I made what is possibly the most sonically displeasing noise I've ever made on a podcast. I can't imagine it gets worse. Really? Yeah, it was a weird, <laughs> like, guttural back of my throat growl thing. Um, mm. I was going for the creepy things in the descent, but probably sounded a lot worse than that. Um, so, yeah, you all start getting chased by demons. Um, there's a wonderful moment where you try to summon Cursebringer as the sword. That does not work. Cursebringer tries to uh make some grand statements about his power and cast some magic that doesn't work and so you all take off running and you all are saved by a knight with a raven helmet covering their face at which point i knew we were doing the raven queen well yeah duh um i just wanted you to in fiction have barrack react to the fact that another person in a bird mask was coming to talk to you that was really funny yes but yet another person shows up in a bird mask um pursuing me into death and yeah as soon as you talk to this person they refer to you by name and then they take off their helmet and it's your mom so that hit me way harder than i thought it was going to this episode was a lot more intense than i thought it was going to be going into it like i um I, I did not expect what this episode ended up being, which is good. Like I, I enjoyed being kept on my toes to a certain extent, but yeah, you, you Barrett kind of lost it as soon as mom showed up rightfully so. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know how to talk about this part. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it I have, over the years of role-playing, I feel like I have tended to get more genuinely in the mindset of my character when playing uh, most of the time. Um, That I have become more, I don't know, method in my (laughs) role-playing or something. Uh, And so, um, and I I feel like I really understand who Beric is, and so I feel like I really am able to, to get into his head um, whereas while Drakir is a whole lot of fun to role play, um, I'm not yet to the point of being able to, to step into him the way I can Beric. Uh, and so, um, I think a lot of what it was is I, I'd really put a lot of thought into the fact that Beric's, Beric's whole adult life has been studying Yurik's journal studying this book in which she wrote and and everything he can find about her. 
in an attempt to connect with someone who was due to due to her experience in the war either absent for a good deal of his childhood uh, and somewhat of a distant person um, due to the the trauma of the war uh, and so to suddenly have her just there in front of him really like hit me emotionally more than I thought it would. Uh, so that kind of set the tone for what we were going to do. Yeah. And so <clears throat> she explains that her soul and all the souls of everybody that's ever been attached to Cursebringer and whatever the greater entity that fuels this pact is, all of their souls are bound to Dolor and unable to pass on to eternal peace. They are stuck here and they, they've found a purpose of defending lost souls from the demons. But, oh, well, before that happened, sorry, rewind. You, you see the cleric, the, the where, the werebore cleric. Yes, we do. Um, we see the werebore cleric that Drakir killed. Um, oh, he has a happy ending then. Uh, yeah. We, that, we get to see him. Join with the flame, which is a real bummer for for Barrick. Yeah, that, that's why I included it because I didn't want there to be any confusion on Barrick or the listeners' part that oh maybe it'll just take some time for his soul to join. Like that dude was in Dolor for maybe five minutes before he yeah. went on, and Barrick was very upset. Um, at least it seemed that way. <clears throat> yeah, no, he was um, because I, again, I, I think up to that point, it hadn't entirely clicked with Beric that he was genuinely cut off from the, the center of his worldview. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she explains that ancient draconic has a word for what they are, which is Shadar Kai, which was a fun little, that's a, a race in previous editions of, uh, D and D of the servants of the Raven Queen, but yeah, she takes you to meet the Raven Queen, and people well, the Raven. Well, yes, the <laughs> Raven, who is Queen of Dolor, um, but just goes by the Raven. Um, mm. got a little deconstructionist with it. Um, yeah, people that play D and D and have listened to other actual play podcasts that feature the Raven Queen or watch critical role and watch that version of the Raven queen. I, I tried to make a pretty different version of the Raven queen here. Um, a, she's not ascendant. She is not a God. Um, she is just a, a soul that is stuck like Yurik and now Beric. Um, but also explaining to Beric that, the reason that Cursebringer is with him is because he is the, there's nobody that can, Beric has not established a relationship by which Cursebringer can pass on. And she is the only other person in Dolor that was under that same circumstances when they died. And that's what gives her the power to be the queen here. So kind of establishing if Beric stays, he can be a very powerful entity on this side of death. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that we got to do this. I, as anyone who's listened to the knowledge check will know, I really like the Raven queen. 
uh, as a D&D entity. So it was really fun to, to see Eric's sort of demigod version of her. Uh, but I think the most interesting thing for me, and the thing that was the most unexpected, was to present her as another Hexblade, as another uh, person with a pact that binds her to this powerful magical weapon. Um, and the the information that there are others. Yeah. That there are others with this pact out there uh, and that the pacts can be joined together uh, because that's essentially the plan that she proposes is to join their pacts uh, so that Beric can carry them both back into the real world or into the material plane uh, and carry on the fight so as to try and free the souls trapped in Mabar, in, uh, not Mabar, in Duller. Yeah. And that was really interesting to me. This is um, Eric's attempt at listening to both uh, fellow podcaster and listener feedback about Cursebringer's voice and thinking of an in fiction way to make his voice less grating. And I figured if like his voice being raspy and like on the cusp of death is because of how weak Cursebringer has become. And joining him with other packs will restore his vitality and make his voice less gross. less like Sal Guerrero. Yes, Jeff doesn't get that reference. I know. No. I just I'm, I just enjoy making Star Wars references at this point. <laughs> it's, my, it's my way of shaming Jeff. <laughs> if you think that causes me any shame, you have not spent enough time with me. Uh, you don't have to feel the shame to be shamed. I think. I'm shaming you before the nerd community. Okay, fine. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that was, that was a really cool thing that uh, I think one of the things I was concerned about um, as we prepared to do this is the, the death of Eldrin really kind of shuts off uh, a significant part of Beric's whole motivation in tolerating the way that Cursebringer is, which is often just the worst. <laughs> uh, and this news that there are more, that there are other Hexblades out there, that there are other packs uh, that can be joined to his in order to empower it and, and make it ready for whatever the last battle is. Something Cursebringer has told you, by the way. You just didn't want to buy into it, I guess. He didn't tell me I could join them. Well, no. Join them. He said there are he others. He told me there were others. Um, but he didn't know anything about them. That was the other thing. It was like, <laughs> there are others, but I have no useful information on that topic for now. <laughs> like everything else that I asked him about. Uh, the most meta thing that happened in this whole session is I kept trying to get Eric to tell me who the bigger entity was. <laughs> yes, you were unsuccessful. Um, so yeah, you, you, you were given the choice to stay in Dolor and fight alongside your mom and save lost souls or to go back with the mission of completing whatever this original deal was with the pact. Which I still don't know. Uh, yeah. And upon completion, will free all of these souls to reach their final resting place. 
um, Beric chooses to return with the holy quest. Um, and yeah, the, the Raven joins, doesn't give her pact over to Beric, but it's, it's a joining kind of thing. And Beric is told that the packs can be, the packs are transferable, um, by two willing parties. And yeah. And then though, frankly, Philip really didn't want to have to role play it. Uh, it made no sense whatsoever that we go without saying goodbye to Yurik. Yeah. Um, so, so that was oof, that was sort of the climax mm. of Philip getting way way more emotional than I, than expected in this. More emotional than I think I have gotten in a D and D session. It's it's intense to listen to. I think like when I was editing it, it was just like, oh my god, like it it's good. But yeah, uh, I, I was not expecting that either. I mean, the the we had to do this scene. It had to be done. There was there's no way that Beric goes out of Dolor and doesn't say goodbye to his mother. And the only way that I know how to make something, if I just do this in my regular old, you know, all right, bye, mom. I'm really glad I got to meet you after <laughs> death. I, that's stupid yeah. and, and not good narrative or good radio or any of these things so the only way for me to do this was for me to actually try to think about this in a meta standpoint of what you know what do you say to your mom knowing you'll never see her again or yeah something to that effect it's just sure gah hmm um, but yeah, and then the, the joining of the packs kind of fueled the magic on the Dolor side of things in combination with Eldrin's magic to where Beric's soul returned to his body. It, it actually occurred to me that there's an interpretation of this event that poor Eldrin is really, really tragic because it's not actually his ritual that brings Beric back, but rather the Raven kicks him out of Dolor. Yeah. I don't want to go all authorial intent on everyone, but that's not my interpretation. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> um, it's not that sad. So that was Eberron reduced. Cool. Um, so I will say you've probably noticed a suffering of audio quality over the last arc. And then also I'm going to assume despite our best efforts, this renewed will probably be in a similar vein. Uh, we have been having to record um, remotely uh, away from each other over Skype. But the next arc uh, that I guess will be up in, what, two weeks from when you hear this, will uh, we were all... A week from when you hear this. Yeah. Oh, sorry, a week from when you hear two, this. That's two right. weeks from when we're recording this. <laughs> right. Um, we were all sitting at the table together. Um, the, it will be the audio quality you've come to expect from us, which we've learned is actually a really big deal to a lot of listeners, is the fact that we do sound good most of the time so uh, just to let you know that will be uh, fixed take just a second to thank everybody like I said we've gotten a lot of opinions and a lot of feedback about this arc on the Facebook page and we love it we do um, have some questions from the community Jeff um, Chris asks are you effing kidding me um, Chris great <laughs> no. question yeah no we're not David why is everyone freaking out I don't know I really don't, David. 
Um, <laughs> but thanks I, I would for the like to say, guys. if you're listening to this, I'm going to declare the statute of limitations on spoilers over. Please tell us what it was that sparked this because everybody's being super vague on the Facebook group because they don't want to spoil anything for anyone, which is great. Yeah. Thank totally you appreciate. That. Yeah. Thank you for not doing that. But it's, it's now two weeks since that happened. I'm declaring the statute of limitations reached. Please tell us what we did that made you react. Is it Barrett coming back? Is it Eladrin's death? Is it Theradax's death? What is it? Because I can't tell you if we're effing kidding you if I don't know what you think we might be kidding you about. <laughs> but but having, having just put two Facebook members on blast, I will say that we do love that you guys are involved. Yes, please uh, don't. Please don't take anything negative out of that. We... We just we want to know what the thing was. Yeah, no, I I love it. I was not putting anybody on blast. I, I, no, I, I know. Um, <laughs> please continue uh, to get involved with us. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Um, you know, I've said before, we are doing this as a podcast because we want to entertain people. We want to make sure that we're doing things that are making you guys happy and that make you guys want to come back and listen. Like, we would do this if there were no listeners because we, despite Eric's best efforts, we do enjoy doing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> his face was awesome um no we, we have a blast playing so we do it anyway but we've we've recorded it and put it out there because we want to entertain people with it so let us know what you're liking what you're not liking and whether or not you think we're kidding you um which i assure <laughs> you i'm not smart enough or good enough at this to try to kid any of you so i'm playing it as as straight as i possibly can <laughs> Final session. Um, you all are just going to wake up back in this marsh. Actually, a real jerk. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, keep 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 coming back to the Facebook page. Let us know what you think. Uh, we are just our the mind boggles that people enjoy this and want to listen to us. Uh, you know, Philip and I have actually had conversations about that. Just like people, people look forward to hearing our <laughs> podcast, and it's neat and weird, but awesome. Um, Anyway, that's enough of, of me rambling. Uh, it's late, and I'm going to sleep. So thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoy the next arc. We it's had like a lot of fun. 30, Grandpa. <laughs> it's been a long weekend. Uh, no, we hope we hope you guys enjoy the next arc. Uh, we had a lot of fun making it. And yeah, so I'm Jeff. <laughs> I'm Eric. I'm Philip. Ah, <laughs> take another run at that. Who's going first, guys? I'll go. All right. So I'm Jeff. I'm Philip. And I'm Eric. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. I talked last time.